indeed. Father God, we thank you for Jean. We thank you for her gifts of teaching and preaching. And clarity, Lord, of making knowledge and things of you clear to those who listen. So we pray now, Lord, that you will anoint her by your spirit. That you will also prepare our hearts to receive your word afresh today. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Adele. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you on this lovely sunny morning. So, what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Well, today is actually the third Sunday of Epiphany, so we are actually still in the season of remembering the first coming of Jesus Christ, the servant king, who gave us the gift of salvation. So it's good to look afresh at this wonderful passage in 1 Corinthians 12 about the spiritual gifts that are given by God and, the Ho- and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, gifts he gives to every Christian. Now, part of the background to this passage relates to a letter that the Corinthian church had written to Paul asking various questions. And in chapters 7 to 16, Paul answers those questions, questions about marriage and sex, food offered to idols, collections for other needy churches, and about a person called Apollos. But here, in this passage, he's answering a question about spiritual gifts, or grace gifts. In fact, Paul felt at the time that the Christians were ignorant and uninformed on the subject, so he tackles some major misconceptions in the early church about these spiritual gifts and how the Holy Spirit works. Remember, at that time, the Corinthian Christians were used to the weird and sensational antics of pagan religions, where strange powers were related to the worship of idols which cannot speak or hear. Those who had come from the Jewish religion and had become Christians may even have previously been encouraged to curse Jesus because the synagogue prayers included regularly cursing of all apostates, and Jesus would have come under that category. Also, of course, for the Jew, anyone who was hung on a tree was cursed. That's what Jesus did for us. So anyone who says Jesus is cursed is obviously not speaking by the Holy Spirit. However, when a person says Jesus is Lord, he is making a real confession. He's clearly distinguishing the Christian from the Jew and the pagan around him. Now, the non-Jewish Christians had been used to shopping around the various cults and religions to find a god that met their needs. Perhaps Hermes, the god of trade, or Zeus, the sky and thunder god, or Artemis, god of the wilderness and wild animals. And Paul was later to discover in Ephesians that they had an altar to cover every base inscribed to an unknown god. So here Paul is categorically stating that there is only one God and through his Holy Spirit come all the various gifts that are needed in the body of Christ, the church. In verse 4 of our reading, we see the Trinity involved in the gifting, Father, Son as Lord and the Holy Spirit. But it is the Holy Spirit who activates and allocates to each one individually just as he chooses. Another misconception that Paul was trying to sort out was the fact that the gifts of the Holy Spirit 
were not for personal prestige and fame. The Corinthian church seemed to be proud of their amazing gifts, and they tended to look down on those whose gifts seemed a bit more ordinary. So instead of being blessed, the church was in danger of being split down the middle. Paul is saying there's no reason to be proud, firstly because the gifts are just that. They are gifts. They're freely given without cost. They're not prizes for goodness or effort or good behaviour. And secondly, though they may be given to individuals in the church, they are, in fact, produced by the Holy Spirit dwelling in each one of us for the edification or the building up of the whole church. Verse 7 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The Life Application Bible says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And I did love that passage from the message, which was really so clear. So the Holy Spirit gives extraordinary gifts to ordinary Christians. And he does so so that he can equip us for service in the church. So any gift I have is not for me, it's for your benefit. And any gift you have is not for you, but it's for all our benefits. The Holy Spirit has not been given to spice up our meetings, to pander to our wants, or to make us feel spiritually superior to anyone else. But they're given to make us a holy people. He gives us these holy provisions for holy tasks. Every gift is given to build up and equip the church for the work of service and mission. And in the rest of the chapter, you might like to read it later, Paul talks about the body. He gives the body an exam- as an example to show that all the spiritual gifts are necessary for the body of Christ to remain healthy and work efficiently. In 1 Corinthians 1, we read, Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. So these wonderful spiritual gifts are given to the church while we wait for Jesus' second coming. So because every believer is a member of the body of Christ, the church, the gifts are for each other. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit here at Pip and Jim's. And the Holy Spirit graciously gives us varieties of gifts. I need you to have the gift of prophecy in my life. I need you over there to have the gift of interpretation if I speak in a tongue. I need you to have a word of knowledge if I come up for prayer. I need you to have the gift of healing when I'm sick. We all need each other to be open, filled with and available for the Holy Spirit to work serving each other by the use of these gifts in the love that God gives. So what are the gifts? Well, I've made up a slide with, it's, you probably won't be able to read this, so there are copies at the back. There are, as well as this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, there are three other passages in the New Testament which refer and name the different gifts. That's Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. So from these four different sources, we have about 20 different gifts, some overlapping 
and they suggest that these different gifts are there to meet the needs of the various people that Paul is writing to. You can turn it off for the moment. Thank you, Erica. So what is our present experience of gifts here at Pip and Jim's? Well, I think we certainly do have many of the gifts operating both during our services and in the life of the church in general. The gift of leadership, administration, serving, teaching, pastoring, helps, contributing to needs, encouraging, evangelism. We have some prophecy occasionally, which is not just foretelling the future, but it's actually speaking forth the word of God in power, such as in sermons and talks. We have some wisdom, some mercy, some healing. There was certainly a healing from last week from the prayers that were prayed. There is some faith, and that is not the faith that we all experience as Christians, the saving salvation faith, but the special gift of mountain-moving faith that defies the impossible. Occasionally, we may have words of knowledge. Perhaps occasionally, wisdom are given in church. But rarely do we have miraculous powers, rarely tongues, rarely interpretation, rarely distinguishing between spirits, and probably never apostleship. But some of these gifts may be used by members privately or in a home group situation or in a larger celebration type meeting. On balance, we may have got most of them, but as a school report might say, we could do better. So how do you and I fit in? We know from scripture, especially Isaiah, that Jesus is the servant king. And every Christian is called to follow in his footsteps and serve both the Lord and others. Verse 5 said, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. So service covers anything I can do to serve, assist, help, and bless another member of Christ's body or the Christian community as a whole. Such as serving at tables, using my IT skills, maintaining the right mix of sound, playing an instrument, or handing out the notices. Some may seem more spiritual than others, but the gifts that seem mundane like plumbing, flower arranging, serving tea and coffee are just as important and can be given to bless the whole body of Christ. Peter tells this in his first letter. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised. And that's the key to it. God is praised and worshipped and blessed when we serve one another. Now, every single Christian has at least one spiritual gift, but probably several. So we should not be critical or jealous of other people's gifts or even awed by the whole concept. You may have the lovely gift of hospitality, 
the person who is always willing to open their homes up to others. Or you may be the one who is really good at cooking and offers meals to those who are sick and need help. Or you are the sort of person who unobtrusively keeps a lookout for those who are missing. Look at those two rows of chairs there. Who's missing who would normally be sitting there? And it would be good to follow them up. You may have the gift of leadership to guide and direct other people or the gift of exhortation or encouragement to inspire and help others, perhaps coming alongside with comfort and help. You may be moving in prophecy, which Paul feels is a key ingredient to church life, or you may be using your gift of teaching with children and young people or in home groups. The sometimes controversial gift of tongues is probably the only one that can be for the individual as well as the church body, because exercising the gift of tongues builds up the individual in a way we don't really understand, but it does. And references to tongues in the New Testament nearly always relate to it being used as prayer, praise, or worship. And that in itself builds up the individual in terms of our own emotions, building up our conviction, leading to greater love and fuller commitment. And spoken in a meeting when a tongue is given with an interpretation, that too can build up the whole church and, as I say, would normally be in the form of praise or worship. Now, we see Paul in later on in chapter 14. He said, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than you all. That's a bit of a proud statement. But, he said... I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. There seems to be different measures of grace and faith given with which to exercise these various gifts. We may find the spiritual gifts varying in their intensity and strength among us at different times and different seasons. Paul in Romans 12 said, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. And later on in 2 Timothy, Paul writes to the young man and says, it seems as if one of his spiritual gifts had declined. So Paul encouraged him and said, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, maybe we're not seeing all the gifts operating regularly in our church because we're not expecting them. And maybe we're not expecting them because we're not experiencing them. It's a bit of a catch-22 situation. And sadly, if we stop expecting and if we stop experiencing the gifts, they may well cease and our church will be all the poorer for it. So these wonderful grace gifts are given as tools to edify and build up the body here. And I don't think we've yet reached that level of maturity and perfection where we here at Pippin Gyms don't need the gifts anymore. So we are all accountable to God for any gift given to us by the Holy Spirit. We have a responsibility to God and to each other to use all the gifts that he has given to us and to seek for them individually and to share that gift with the church as a whole. 
So the Holy Spirit is graciously giving each one of us to the church in every member ministry, which we firmly believe in this church. So how can I cultivate the gifts of the Spirit? Well, first of all, we need to be convinced that the gifts are for today and that they are just as important now as they were in the time that Paul was writing to the Corinthians. And then be assured that the gifts are for every single believer, not just a deserving few. And then begin to pray specifically for the gift you feel the Lord wants to give you. Don't be passive about it. We need to diligently pursue them. James 4 writes in his, in his letter, you do not have because you do not ask God. So if you feel God is telling you or showing you that he wants to give you a gift, ask him for it, pursue it diligently. And over the years, it's been my experience that God often gives gifts in line with your own giftings and talents. Areas where you are most likely fruitful already are likely to be your areas of gifting. And I don't think God usually puts square pegs in round holes. And because God wants you to be joyful and fulfilled in the service of the King, you will find you will enjoy using the gift that we have been given, and you'll see fruit and blessing come from it. And then attempt to use the gift on a regular basis. This could be risky if you feel the Lord is giving you the gift of prophecy and things like that. There may well be embarrassing moments, which is why it's good to exercise these gifts in our home groups. They're really good places to start from, where we are known, accepted, and loved. And then study the gift. Look up the scriptural references. Look for biblical principles concerning them. Read lots of books about the ministry of these gifts and biographies of Christians who've used them in the past. Then have friendships with people who perhaps are more advanced than you are in the gift. Proverbs 27 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We can help each other build up our gifts and seek the counsel of other people, perhaps trusted friends who you know well and who will be honest with you and will tell you, I think you have got that gift of so-and-so. The Holy Spirit gives us power to live the Christian life, power to be effective witnesses, and power in the areas connected with building up the body of believers. God is incredibly generous, and John 3, 34 says, he gives the Spirit without limit, there is no limit to what Jesus will do in your life through the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit, never stops moving, empowering, speaking, acting, loving, directing, and filling. And surely we all long for him to be moving in our church and then out beyond us to the parish and the community outside but we may be quenching him and not allowing him the freedom to use the gifts through each one of us. Or we may feel inadequate that we don't deserve to have a gift. But Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 to earnestly desire the gifts and to strive to excel in them for building up the church. 
or we may fear that we'll be taken over by the Spirit, or it won't be good for us. But it is inconceivable that God would give us anything that would hurt us. Our Heavenly Father gives good gifts to his children. And we may feel unworthy of receiving a special gift. But we are sons and daughters of the living God, of the King of Kings. We're heirs to all his promises. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Jesus is not here physically to serve his church. So he wants to use you and me. Excuse me. Dare we say no? You, every single one of you, have been graciously given by God to this fellowship. And he wants to use you to channel the gifts of the Holy Spirit into this fellowship so that we are all blessed, so that we are all built up. So I have to ask, are we using our gifts and exercising them regularly? Or has our gift diminished like young Timothy's because we're not using it anymore? This morning is as good a time as any to fan into flame any gift we have let diminish or seek the Lord for any new gift he may want to give us. He knows the gaps that there are here in Pippin Jim's, so many gaps at the moment. He knows who can fill them. So let's be willing and available and have that same servant attitude as Jesus, using our gifts to serve each other in humility and love. Now, you may have noticed that you have a little piece of paper on your chair. I'd like to suggest now that you write down, and there are pens along the lines, to write down a gift, either a gift you already have, or a gift that you feel that God is calling you into, or a gift that you feel needs reviving. And then write on it, fold it up, and then during the next worship session that Tanya will lead, bring that piece of paper up and place it in the basket in front. That is your offering to God from your servant heart to the servant king that we love and serve today. Amen.